That was a great little video that Jennifer found um, to help inspire everyone thinking about children's ministry and how important it actually is. And, and uh, that's fun because that's where I get to go with this today. And uh, I just want to start by just saying thank you to Redwood. Uh, this is a very exciting time for me. It's extremely bittersweet time for me. Uh, this is the last time that I'm preaching at Redwood Christian Church. And it couldn't be for a more fitting reason than talking about uh, boldly investing in our next generation. Uh, just to let everybody know, our house has sold. Um, if you've been praying about that, keep praying because it hasn't closed. It's, uh, it's an escrow, and anybody that's ever bought in a house know how fun escrow is. And so uh, we're, we look at our appraisal will be the 27th of this month, and then once that's done, the, the closing can really begin. So we're looking probably around November 7th right now will be the date of closing of our house. Um, so sometime in the beginning of November, uh, that's when we will be uh, headed out west as far as we can go. So um, if you guys would, though, please continue praying for uh, my family and I as we embark on this new journey. Um, I can't say that it, it's stressful. It's a little bit of fear. Uh, that's okay. Um, I loved the song this morning that we don't have to be in fear. Uh, I need that every time I preach um, because I'm always in fear of that. But Redwood has given me an amazing gift. Um, God has blessed me just tremendously with talking. And Kurt said last week uh, that I can talk to trees. <laughs> and I thought about that more and more. And uh, yeah, I can. And I think everyone in here could. They're easier to talk to. They don't talk back. <laughs> right? So um, that, that, helps us, that helps me get into... Uh, what it is we're going to talk to about today, that it takes God to empower us. We need the Holy Spirit to be empowered to do things that we wouldn't normally do. And for me, it's boldly investing in our next generation. This is something I did when I was a golf professional. We spent a lot of time with children, a lot of time teaching them how to play the game. It was a lot of fun for us, but there was a bigger reason we did that. It was so the game wouldn't die. It wouldn't go away. It's expensive to play. It's very hard to do. And if we didn't invest in our children, they would never play it. So it's as simple as that. And that is going to be our basis of why it is we preach the gospel. Because if we don't preach the gospel, especially to our children, his church is going to die. And it's our job to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. My granddaughter is one years old. I pray that I get to see her as she gets married. And I hope that I have great-grandchildren. But I'm not going to probably know my great-grandchildren's children. So it's extremely important for me to get to my children so they know who Jesus is, so my granddaughter know who Jesus is, and her kids know who Jesus is. It's extremely important. And that's what we're going to talk about today, of why it is we need to pay more attention to the children than we do now. The children, I feel, have been left behind. 
I know every person in here, if I asked you right now, would you do anything it takes to make sure your children and grandchildren are saved? Would you? Yeah, you would. Well, we're going to talk about that because I want to see if you really mean that. I do now. I didn't before. So I have a few things that I want to go over with you guys today. And it's kind of a list. And this is kind of a basis. I thought about it for a while. What is it we do as a youth group? What is it that we do uh, as I watch Kathy and Alvin just day in and day out serve our children? What is it that we do? And the first thing that I came up with was we must be bold and teaching our children Jesus. This is number one. This has to do with anybody that we meet. We have to be bold enough to let them know who Jesus is. If we, do, if we, if we can't speak who he is, then what, I mean, we can't even call ourselves a Christian, I don't, I don't think. I want you guys to turn to uh, Romans 8.31. There's, it's just a short little verse. Some of you may know this. I'm going to just read the second half of this. And it says, If God is for us, who can be against us? I love that. We're to be filled with the Holy Spirit. As Kurt said last week, he said he was, he was introverted. And he had a hard time striking up a conversation with people. That's not something he can normally just do. It's not built into his DNA. None of it's built into our DNA. I have a hard time talking to people. I have an easier time talking to trees. They don't talk back because then it becomes preaching. Isn't it easier to tell someone? I think as a class, as a teacher, it would be easy for me to teach the class constantly than having two or three people in the room giving me feedback as I'm talking to them. It's easier But we have to rely on the Holy Spirit. That's where the strength comes from. And if He is with us, why is it so hard for us to go, to speak, to share His name? We need to be bold in what we do. And this is is what leads us to uh, to Ephesians. This one, I really love this as as I read this. This, this is perfect. Ephesians 6, 19 and 20. It's Paul writing, it says, Pray also for me that whatever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fiercely make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Pray. This, this, this one, I, I thought about it. So if we're praying and we can be continued in prayer and asking God, pray for me. Or, pray, I need boldness. I need courage. I need strength to keep going every Sunday. Why aren't we praying for it? We should be in our small groups praying for each other's boldness. Pray for it. In Acts, it says, after this prayer, the meeting took place and the place was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. We have that same spirit. 
Just about every person in here, as far as I know, just about everyone, it may not be all, and that's okay, has been baptized. What happens when we're baptized? We're freed from sin, and we're given the gift of the Holy Spirit. That same Holy Spirit that was there on the day of Pentecost. That same Holy Spirit that filled those 12 men. We should take that same Spirit with us everywhere we go and be bold enough to love Jesus enough, to love that person across from us enough to share the gospel. Especially, especially with our kids. It says that if two or more pray, God will be there. You guys are in home groups every week, every week. In those home groups that you're learning and studying more and more about the Bible, learning more about Jesus, I hope that's what you're doing. But I also hope collectively as a group, we're in a group together. What are we going to do to further the kingdom as a group? What is our home group going to do besides just learning about Jesus? You're given knowledge, you're getting knowledge in, but how much of it are you sharing? You guys have a leg up on me. You've been here a lot longer than I have. Some of you way longer than I have, like John. It's, we've been here, you guys have been here a long time. You've gained a lot of knowledge. Your home groups, more. Wow, I didn't, I didn't I'm so glad I went to home group this, this week. I learned this. Share it. Share it with the next generation. That's why you are given knowledge, is to share knowledge. Think about that. I came to church. I learned about Jesus. I got baptized. Woohoo, I'm saved. Well, what did you just learn? You learned that you have to also make disciples. Well, what do you do when you do that? You share knowledge. You share in the knowledge. You have to continue. You ha- it, it's so important. And we have to be bold as we do it. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid what someone might think. There's going to be people out there that think we're nuts. That's okay. I don't care. I was just talking to Carolyn this morning. I'm really actually curious. I'm looking forward to knowing what heaven's like. I really look forward to knowing because she, she oh, I forgot what she said. She's like, oh, it's another day. It's another day. It's that, that meant like another day, it's another grind. We grind sometimes. I mean, we're just grinding it out. I can't wait to see what heaven's like so we don't have to be grinding. But before I get to check that out, I want to make sure everyone around me is going. But we have to be bold enough to tell them. Isn't that... The best kind of love, usually the tough love, telling people what they absolutely need to hear. I think so, too. The next one is we must be intentional. Number two on my list. This falls right after being bold enough to share it. One of the things that I do when I meet every person that's new to me, I shake their hand and I wonder immediately if they're saved. That's my first thought. As I'm walking through Walmart and I'm not even meeting people or I'm going through Fred Meyer or, or wherever I am, I'm wondering, I wonder if that person's saved. I wonder if that person's saved. 
I wonder if they know Jesus. I can't help it. That's just the way my mind's operating now. So I need to be intentional enough to shake hands with that person and get to know them. When I see kids in town, first thing I do is when I meet them, hey, do you go to youth group anywhere? I hope they say no. Well, I want them to say yes because I want them to know Jesus. And if they do already, great. I don't want them to come from their youth group to my youth group or our youth group. Excuse me, it's not mine. But if they say no, I have an opportunity. But I have to be intentional with that. There was a reason I just met that kid. And my intentions weren't just to say hi. It was to get to know them enough to know if they know Jesus. And then I have to be bold enough to say, hey, every Wednesday night we have a youth group. And I usually don't just invite people to church, but our youth group, it's kind of a, a neutral ground of other kids. It's nice that a kid can come into a room and feel secure, that everyone's looking down on him. Oh, you're not saved. We're not going to talk to you. Our kids aren't like that. We have a, we have a phenomenal group of kids. Like, I, you should come down and meet them all. I'm telling you. You, you should come meet our kids. Uh, Alicia, where'd she go? She's over there sitting in the back. She does what I do when Kurt's preaching. Sits alone. She's very extroverted, but she has her quiet sides like she's doing now. Let me tell you, she's being led in the right direction, and this is how I know, and Aaron and Zoe are the same way. She was here Wednesday night. She preached for the first time Wednesday night. It was awesome. Then she was here Thursday night for worship practice and here on Sunday morning for first service. And she drove herself for the first time, got out of bed by herself and drove here. She was proud of that. She told us this morning, I said, give it 10 years. You'd be like, I hate it. We have to be intentional in everything that we do. I had thought about this when I was first thinking about intention. I I was thinking, I was like, my relationship with my wife is always intentional. It is going to be my job every single day to lift her up for what's best for her and her relationship with Christ. I'm going to help her stay on the straight and narrow. She's going to help me stay on the straight and narrow. She's better at it than I am. She lets me know how bad I am sometimes. But I was going through and I'm reading the Bible, and I'm just thinking to myself, what is the most intentional thing that I can pull out of here? And that's Jesus. No one was more intentional. He laid down his life willingly for us. And so I went straight to John 3.16. And I want you guys, when you share that verse, a lot of you maybe have grown up with John 3.16, you're like, oh, John 3.16, God's the love of the world, he gives only that. no. That is a super powerful verse, and it's so important for us to understand that God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that you and I may have eternal life. That's the gospel. And if we can't tell someone else, especially our next generation, they have a chance at eternal life. That video said we have to get them before they're nine years old just to teach them and give them a core fundamental of who God is before they go. But you can't leave them there. 
You can't just leave them after nine. Okay, good. We taught you who God is. You're on your own. Because the world's still going to get them. Thank God for Alicia's mom to keep her and grandma and grandpa in this church to keep these kids on that straight and narrow. They're intentional. We know why they're, they, they keep bringing their kids here. We know exactly why. Because their intention is that they continue to know Jesus so they can share that knowledge boldly with other people. That is the point. The next one's extremely important. We must be willing to give of our time. Number three, you must be willing to give of your time. Jesus spent a lot of time with the apostles, and he did it for a reason. Could you imagine when he met them? He, he probably, he pulled the fishermen off the boat. I'm sure their mouths were all but not clean, if you think about that. The tax collectors were greedy. These men were, like I've said in the past, they're a ragtag bunch of guys. But Jesus knew that they were men. And they stood for what they believed. And he knew if he molded them correctly, they would be strong warriors for him. And he did that. And he spent time with them. A lot of time. We can't just invite our kid to church once, or anyone for that matter, and think that they're good. It took friends of mine, my mom my entire life, my grandma my entire life, close friends of mine for a majority of my life, and then Bob for about five years of my life to disciple me. We can't save someone overnight. Only God can do that. But we have to continuously spend our time with our kids. Quality time. Being intentional. And being bold. It's so important. If you have grandchildren, just take them. Show them Jesus. Show them Jesus. Let them see you do something nice for someone. Let them go, Grandpa, how come you just gave that lady five dollars? Because Jesus loves her too. Grandpa, how come you grandma, how come you went over and washed that lady's dishes? Because Jesus would want me to. Grandma, grandpa, how come you brought blankets to that homeless man? Because Jesus loves them too. That's spending time. That's quality time. It doesn't have to be knowledge. Okay, I want you to sit in a circle and we're going to read the Bible. I want you to do that. Best time to read the Bible is as they're going to bed. I love that. But pray with them when they wake up too. Because they need to know they need to start their day with Jesus, not just end it with Jesus. That's quality time. The one thing we teach in our youth group is time spent with them in prayer. We pray with them. We let them know how important that is. Last couple weeks ago, I was over in Brookings. We were doing the meet and greet where I got to meet everybody. And they do something a little different. We do a C-mail here. And over there, what they do is like, it's open prayer before the sermon starts, which could really go up rabbit trails, so you got to be careful. But it was really kind of neat this time. And as they were asking for prayer requests, 
Lance, the, the pastor, was, was doing the asking, and there was a little boy in the back. And the little boy goes, I need prayer for my grandpa. And his little voice, I think he was six, seven years old. And it was just so precious. He's got the cancer. He's going to die. And I don't know what I'm going to do without my grandpa. And it just, I mean, it broke my heart. And another little boy that was sitting next to him goes, I need prayer. My dog just died. I'm so lonely without my dog. I'm just like, oh. But here's my point. Lance got off the stage, and he walked to the back of the room where those little boys were, and he said, I'm not only going to pray for you, but I want you boys to come see me after church so we can sit down together. That's quality time. Making their voice just as relevant as ours. That is... That is priceless for them to know that Jesus is just as important to me as he is those little boys, our next generation. We have to remember <laughs> Matthew nineteen fourteen it says, Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God is theirs. Think about that. Don't hinder them. We may not understand them, but remember, our parents didn't understand us either. Right? We all were a little rebellious. We all did things and said words that our parents didn't know. Just like the next generation right now, they say things, I'm like, what did you just say? What does that mean? I have no idea. But we turned out all right. But the next generation that's coming, it's the most unchurched generation ever. And if we want them to do all right, we need to teach them that knowledge that you guys know, spending some time with them and doing it boldly, without fault. Be willing. It's so important. Number four, it takes a team. Kurt said last week, we all have teams. We have our home groups, okay? This is a great place to have teamwork. Just like in our youth group, we have a team. Our church has a team. This isn't a one-man show at Redwood. It's not just Kurt, or it's not just Daniel, or even Kurt and Daniel, for that matter. It doesn't work if that's the case. Jesus even had a team. Think about it. He didn't do it on his own. He had God the Father, him, and the Holy Spirit. And then when he got to earth, he gathered up 12 dudes and said, you guys are my team. All right? I think football should have 12 guys. It makes more sense now that I think about that instead of 11 because he had 12 apostles. Anyway, (laughs) he gathered a group of men to make a team here on earth. As a church, that's what we do. As a youth group, that's what we've done. I say this humbly, but as our youth group, I'd kind of be the head coach, right? I'd be the head coach of the youth group. And Tracy, she'd probably be the offensive line coach. 
And then Tra- Tammy would be the defensive line coach. And, and Alex and Lakota, they come and help. They're probably our, our, um, our quarterback coach. Dan's been coming and helping with our, our music on Wednesdays. He'd be our special teams. That would make Kurt Jerry Jones. You're welcome. <laughs> I, was, I, I was thinking, man, I should probably look up the coach of uh, Oklahoma State. And I was like, no, I'll just leave that one alone. <laughs> it takes a team. We have to gather around. We have to work together. We have to pray together. We have to, we have to cultivate together. We have to plant seeds together. And we have to water them together. In our youth group, I may be able to reach a few kids and, and, and spark to their personalities or their life lessons that they've gone through and the things that they've had to deal with, just like Tracy may be able to reach some other kids in a different way, and Alex and Lakota a different way, and Tammy a different way. And it's great we've been having Kurt and Jen come because they're there as well, just in case they might be able to relate. It is just as important for every member of the team as it is for every child to be there. We're building those children up to also be an army, the next generation of the church. I can't thank our children's ministry enough. I know the grueling day in, day out, day in, day out, relentlessly loving. You guys haven't taken a break. Thank you. Your reward is in heaven. It says that. I know, it's hard here. I don't understand it. We were talking in the kitchen earlier. I don't understand things. I don't want to try. It's too overwhelming for me. But I do know that those children are just as important as we are. In fact, at this moment, we're all saved. When they're adults, the people that they meet, they're not. That's why they're so important. Teamwork. And the last one may end up being a little bit controversial for you guys. Oh, wait. Sorry. I skipped one. Number five. This one's important. This kind of goes under time and hard work is we must help the next generation meet their goals and dreams. And I threw this one in there, and I thought about the kids that we've sent off to Bible college, and we've helped them along the way. But I want you to know that if we sent every single person that we know to Bible college, and they come back and they're the church, we, there's no volunteer help, there's no outside growth, there's no financial help for the church, none of it. So, should we still be sending as many kids as we can to Bible college? Yes, absolutely. But what I'm also saying is, as we raise these children up and they go through our church and, and we send them off to college, we should encourage them whatever field path that they choose. And here's why. Because they have a ministry wherever they go. Their ministry is wherever you work. I learned that the hard way. My last job, I hated it, but I knew why I was there. Many of you in here did not grow up pastors. You didn't retire as a pastor. John, you were a teacher many years, a lot of years. 
right? That's right. Ed, you were a teacher and a pastor. Ed, you were a pastor. You drive a bus now. What a ministry. What a ministry. And the kids that get off of his bus, they love Ed. I didn't like my bus driver, but that's because I'm afraid of buses. But before Kurt got here and before he was a pastor, he was a teacher. Jennifer works in a hospital. My wife works in the medical field. Kathy, you're a teacher. Alvin, you're a dental hygienist, right? What a ministry. She has people, that's kind of like a tree. Because she can sit there and... You can't talk back. You can tell them anything you want. I love it. What a ministry. <coughs> if everybody worked in the church, we wouldn't have everything that the world still needs to survive. But we still need that army outside the church. That's the most important place is outside this building. Ministry is everywhere. To being a pastor doesn't mean you're Kurt or I. If you're a teacher of the word and a teacher of the gospel, you're a pastor. If you're a Christian and you're in the Bible and you're spreading the gospel and you're making disciples, you're a pastor. We're nothing more than you, you guys. We're just extremely blessed to be on staff at the church that we can have this as our main focus. What a blessing. I'll never take this for granted. But I'm also not going to take our kids for granted ever again. I wish I would have raised my kids different. Because now they're seeing a difference in me. They're starting to question and they're coming around. But amen to how you guys raise your kids. Amen. It's tough. It's tough. The last one. We must be willing to give up our spot. We must be willing to move out of the way and let the next generation take over for the church. This is where coaching comes into play. When I retire as a pastor, hopefully I get to retire as a pastor, or Kurt retires as a pastor, he has to be willing to step down off the stage and allow those next kids to come up here and preach. I'm learning that through the youth group. Kurt has been extremely generous with the stage and allowing me to grow in ministry myself and, and preaching. And without that generosity of moving over and letting someone else take his spot for a moment... There wouldn't be any growth. It was so fun to step off the stage last Wednesday and allow Alicia up there an opportunity to preach. We have to learn to get out of the way. And here's the big one. This is why. This is what men do. I'm not men as man in general, men and women, okay? One thing that we love, we love traditions, right? I love Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve at my grandma's was the best. I would love to go back to when I was a little kid and have Christmas Eve at my grandma's again. I loved that tradition. We have tried for years to keep it going. It's just not the same. But we keep doing it, and it's failing. It's just not very good. And I, I wanted to kind of give you guys a visual of this. I'm going to go back here. So uh, I went to a church. Up, up north, I'm not going to say the name of it because it was pretty funny, is so guys would stand right here at the end. It was communion time. And they had each had their communion dish. 
And then there was a guy here and a guy here, right behind him, and then a guy right here, right here. And they walked up formally as a flying V like geese <laughs> all the way to the stage. And they turned around and they, they gave each of themselves communion. But what is that? It's the flying V of communion. <laughs> but that's what they did. That's what they liked to do. That's their tradition. But there's nothing about that that's biblical. Nothing. The flying V. I don't think at the Last Supper they did the flying V into this, this, the table there as they all sat down before Jesus washed their feet. I don't think that happened. It doesn't say that in there. This part is a little bit controversial. This is the harder part for me to even talk about is to get out of the way. But Mark 7, 8 says you have to let, or it says you have let go of your commands of, of God and you're holding on to tr- human traditions. How many of you guys love hymns? Okay, what are hymns? Are hymns the ones that are the hymnals, right? Okay, I, I, this is the controversial part. Old songs, right? Well, hymns, that's not the definition. I just want you guys, that's what we know as humans are hymns. That's what we know are the hymnals. But a hymn is a praise song lifted up to God. That's the meaning of a hymn. Now, a hymnal is in the book, that is the book of the old songs. Right? Now, because the music is different for the younger generation, is it wrong? It's no more wrong than the hymnal. It says in the Bible that we are to sing songs of praise, to sing hymns. That doesn't mean out of the hymnals. Do you, can you sing out of the hymnals? Yes. Yes. I'm not telling you you're wrong. But earlier I asked you, would you be willing to do anything it takes to get your grandchildren and your children in this church? But if you're holding on to some older traditions that aren't necessarily biblical, that make it a little bit harder for the younger generations to come into the church... Doesn't that make it a little... Do you see where I'm going? You guys are saved. Thank God you guys are here. You guys are saved. Thank you, Jesus. I am so grateful. But we want them saved too. We, even myself, I have to get off the pulpit. I have to get out of the way and allow a younger generation to come in and know more about Jesus. So I'm going to do whatever it takes to get them through that door. Anything I can. How many times, I'm just curious, because I've done this, and I'm guilty of it, where I've gone out there after first service, and the music's playing out there, and the kids are yelling and screaming, and they're in that little corner over there, and the music's going. How many of you thought to yourself, wow, that's really loud. Those kids are loud. I can't even talk. I can't even talk. Let me, get, let me tell you. Matthew 19, 14. Jesus said, do not hinder them. Praise God. Those children are out there worshiping and praising Jesus. Thank God they're in this church. That whole side of the building, that whole side of the church was originally created for children anyway. Praise Jesus. Those kids are out there being loud for Jesus. So remember that. Just hold on to that. I know it's hard sometimes to go, oh, can't even have a conversation. That's the next generation of our church, folks. And if those people don't know how great Jesus is, 
think about it. If we shove them in the farthest corner of the building so we don't have to hear them anymore, you know what that tells them? They're irrelevant. And that is the next generation that is supposed to share the Great Commission. They're supposed to spread the Great Commission to my granddaughter, to my granddaughter's children. And if we tell them they're irrelevant, all they're going to know of the Great Commission is, well, my dad and my grandparents, they liked this Jesus guy, but every time I went to church, I was ridiculed for being too loud for playing, and, and I was sitting there learning about Jesus, but we were too loud. That tells them they're irrelevant. That tells them that Jesus nitpicks at them because they're playing. We can't do that. I hope this church fills this afternoon with children and young families. And it's okay. I know that myself, and I've talked to Kurt about this, every time I hear a baby crying, the people that, that are disturbed by it are the people in the audience. I don't get disturbed by it. Amen. That's a healthy church. That means there's another generation of church coming. And another generation after that. There's more Jesus. But we have to get off out of our own ways and our set ways. And I want to end with this. I was in Evangel the other day, and this gave me chills. I told Kurt about it, and we laughed, and, and I thought about it more, and I'm like, I'm just blown away. I'm in Evangel, and I have this lady come up to me, and she's like, I have, I have a message that I want to tell you. I feel like God's led me to tell you this. And I'm like, oh, boy. I'm, you know, I'm just like, what's going on here, right? Well, she comes up, and she's like, you're leaving soon. And I'm like, who? I don't even know you. She's like, you're leaving soon. But you need to go, and you need to go back to Acts. You need to get rid of the man-made traditions. And I got chills because I had my sermon already written. And I told her, I said, I have to tell you this. I said, I'm moving to Brookings to help with the ministry over there. And this Wednesday, I'm preaching on this same thing. And she started crying. Her name was Sandy. I was like blown away. So in the video that was played this morning, asking for your help in children's ministry so the children know that Jesus is real, he's alive. He is so alive. But it's going to take an investment of our being bold that everything that we do, we have to be intentional. Everything. We have to give of our time. We have to support them in their journey. It's not our journey. It's their journey that God has given them. We have to move over. Get out of the way. Let the next generation of church be the next generation of church. Let our children change our society and lead the culture again. I think what happened is the church fell off from leading culture because they got stuck in their traditions, the man-made ones, instead of Jesus's. So think about that today. The takeaway for today, it's a simple takeaway. Boldly invest in our next generation. Let's pray. Lord God, I love you so much. And I thank you for 
the continued courage that you give me to be bold enough to even stand up here. Lord God, I love you so much, and I thank you for the position that you put me in to help this church raise up our next generation. I thank you for for Kurt and Jennifer's inspiration and want to focus on that next generation and Kathy and Alvin and all the helpers that help us day in and day out with this church and growing. Lord, we have workhorses in this church that have continued to help keep this building standing all for the furthering of your kingdom. Lord, I pray for all of them and I pray for everyone that hasn't been serving at all. That's okay. I'm not calling them out, Lord. I just pray that you touch their heart and give them a way that they can serve in ministry for you today because there is no retirement with ministry. There are so many people out there that are the same age as these folks in here, no matter how old they are, that someone else that doesn't know the gospel. I pray that they would be able to boldly speak your name to them. Love them the way that you love us. Thank you for today. Thank you for my time here at Redwood. In your holy and precious name.